comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Lucky number 13 this week. All right. That makes sense because we're talking about Constantine. Uh, the Saint of Last Resorts is the name of the episode. It's the season, mid-season finale for Constantine. We didn't think at first they were taking one, but evidently they are now because uh, tomorrow night is Dateline NBC. So unless Constantine is, you know, exercising the demons from Lester Holt or Brian Williams, uh, I think we're, we're not going to be seeing Constantine again until January 6th. Uh, we're also going to be discussing uh, the Suicide Squad movie in light of Batman Assault on Arkham, which, despite its title, uh, is actually more of a Suicide Squad movie than a Batman movie in a major way. And we're going to talk about what we'd like to see, what we liked in that, and uh, what we'd like to see in the new uh, the new film version by Dave, uh, David Ayer. But uh, with me on this wonderful journey through DC television, uh, we I have my own personal invunche, uh, Chub Toad Shelvin. Hello. So does this mean that we're going to be talking about Dateline NBC on next week's DC TV podcast? No. Oh, okay. It does not. And also joining me this evening, my my own personal Papa Midnight uh, himself, the, the tycoon in Rast in Exile, uh, Daryl Taylor. How are you, sir? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, all the other shows, as, as I mentioned, are on uh, mid-season hiatus until January... Uh, January 20th, I believe, is the, the date for The Flash. That means the 21st to be for Arrow, and I believe that same week as well as The Return of Gotham. Uh, and this is the mid-season finale for Constantine that we're going to be talking about tonight, The Saint of Last Resorts. Pretty cool episode, um, definitely drawn from the comic. We get to meet Anne-Marie, who is another one of the Newcastle bunch um, you know, from uh, Constantine, uh, uh, we met Gary so far and Chaz. Mm-hmm. Um, he, she's a, a woman from Constantine's past. Kind of introduced him to the world of the occult uh, and and uh, and what he does, you know, the dark arts or whatnot. And you know, he ran with it kind of. So she feels this incredible guilt. I mean, she tells him in the episode, you know, you're my failure because you know, look, look yeah. what I've done to your life by introducing you to these things. Well, it, it was what I kind of bugged out is. Um... You hear about stuff like that sometimes where someone, they treat magic like a drug. Actually, the way they talk about magic on the show, it's like it's a drug. Yeah. And it, yeah. it, it was like she dabbled in it. But when she got him into it, he just took to, to he took to it to the point where he can't stop. Like Constantine is the druggie. He's, he's still he's still all in that world. And it's funny how his friends are not. They're either so damaged from it that they they dabble a little here and there, maybe, or they're trying to get away from it completely, or they're going to other substances like his friend did. Um, Mm -hmm. But Constantine seems to be so in it, like he is the super junkie of that group. 
Right. It's like, you know, everyone else has like tried to, like you said, go, go on to something else or kick it. Uh, Anne-Marie, for instance, in this episode has become a nun mm-hmm. in Mexico City, helping the poor and helping the impoverished. Uh, and she is in a, um, working in a, a Catholic hospital and, uh, something has come and started stealing babies and killing mothers. And she is so desperate that she calls Constantine because, you know, she pretty much hates his guts as well as, you know, feeling, you know, the guilt of, of having put him on his course or whatever. She wants to um, hate him, but she doesn't. <laughs> right. She wants yeah, to. Well, they mentioned that. You can, tell. That, you can yeah. tell that there's still some connection there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he mentions that they, uh, or she mentioned something like they might have been soulmates at one point, you know. Right. Um, meanwhile, while Constantine is in Mexico City, Zed is all by herself in the house of mystery. And uh, some odd people are coming after Zed for some reason. Mm. Um, this really good-looking guy from her art class uh, uh, bumps into her yeah. at her supply store, hits on her, and uh, she takes him back to the house of mystery. And meanwhile, Constantine comes to Mexico City with Chaz. Um, Chaz and Anne-Marie are, are obviously close. They have a really nice heart-to-heart about John mm-hmm. you know, because they both uh, they probably know him better than anyone else in the world. Right. And uh, John realizes that it's one of the spawn of Lilith, uh, the the spurned you know wife of Adam, uh, that is taking these children away. I like that story too, where there were other like Eve wasn't the only one. There were others he asked first. Hmm. Like well, that. yeah, when he refers to it as Sister of Eve, uh, Lilith was the sister. This that was in the episode would have been a daughter of Lilith. I, I was looking at that, but that you know, that is uh, one of the the mythology about the Lilith and how she was created equally to Adam and mm-hmm. all of that. And all, I mean, how it how everything came from that. And there's been so many good fiction stories uh, derived from that. And I have to say that I, I thought that they handled it very well in this uh, episode, um, it, you know, and, and talking about the whole thing with Zed and everything, this is probably the best example that they've had in the show so far of being able to balance and keep good time in, in two different plots going forward. Yeah, they did. They did blend it pretty well. Oh, question, because I, I really couldn't make out when she has that flash, when she touches the, the male model guy that she uh, went and had coffee with, did mm-hmm. what did you recognize? I mean, what was that? I didn't really. It seemed like it was a vault in a white room yeah. in a vault yeah, or something or some really heavily like locked uh, pr- uh, protected door. Because I was oh, like you would see in a vault, right? Because I was wondering either the person is protected, the person he was talking to, kind of conceal their identity by magic, or she just got the message that these people want to imprison you. Like I didn't know if it was like symbolism of they wanted to. to well, do I think that it's open not. to interpretation either way, right? You know, I mean, okay. it could be it could be that they want to lock her away in that vault, or that you know they're. They're blocking her out from their true, you know, his true intentions. Although when she has that flash, she realizes something is hinky with that dude. That's when she you know, invites him to, back, yeah, and then tries to uh, tries, you know, uh, tries to get the truth out of him as to what's going on. But then realizes that he has led two of his uh, friends from what he refers to as the Crusade mm-hmm. uh, to the House of Mystery uh, to uh, take Zed away to abduct her for some for some nefarious purpose, and they call her Mary. Uh, instead of Zed, 
Um, she doesn't right. really know why because she doesn't really respond to that name. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the name that they call her, and then they say that their father wants them back. I'm just wondering, are they going to be going down? Because when they said Mary, and just kind of the way it was going on with with those that came in the house, I was thinking, I wonder if this is like. Um, you know, the last scion type storyline, like maybe she's going to be some descendant of, of <laughs> Mary Magdalene or something like that. That'd be interesting. I vaguely remember from the book comics that she is, they do reveal that she has some connection to some group. You remember that, Jim? Um, Vaguely, but I'm not, I don't know which, uh, you know, it I, comes I later. Really... It comes much later, mm-hmm. I think in the, in the series, but it, it, there's something about a connection to some type of religious group. And, and, um, and that causes her to have to, it tests her loyalty or something. Something happens. It's just something bad. Either way, something bad happens in the book because there's something always bad happens to any of Constantine's friends or allies. Especially. She's the daughter of Elder Martin, the leader of the, leader of the Resurrection Crusade, and destined from birth to be a vital part of the plan in the Second Coming. Yes. Yeah. So we don't know if they're going to go with that storyline or not. I mean, it's like like The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's it's based on a comic, but it isn't letter you know letter and panel perfect to the comic. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how this all it all shakes out and breaks down. But basically, after um, subduing. Um, the the art model and then a blonde woman from the crusade by opening a door and having her fall into another dimension. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, she gets um, from behind from a guy with inject- a giant in- uh, injection needle and uh, the last shot we see of Zed is in the mirror. Uh, that guy shooting her with an uh, injection in her like passing out. Uh, did you get to... I, th- I was wondering if the house was going to kind of save her. I think it probably will. Yeah. That's what I find was that wondering, out. too. Or else they wouldn't have had that shot through that mirror. Right, and the way that the girl... I really think that mirror is going to be instrumental in saving Yeah, and when she fought that du- the the um, the other girl, the woman, um, and she opened that door, it just happened to be what she needed to get rid of that, to get rid of her. Well, no, that was the door that she almost fell down herself earlier in the episode. Oh, like right, kind of, right. When she was, like, exploring the place. That's and, right. Um, she almost fell out that same door herself. That's how she knew it was there. Yeah, smart. I, I, I totally forgot about that. I'm smart that on that part. That scene made me want to go back and watch old Twilight Zone episodes for some reason. A door to another dimension. Yeah. A dimension not only of sight and sound, <laughs> but of mind. It'll be one of my favorite shows. One of my favorite shows of all time. Well, it'll be coming up. The marathon. Um, it'll be coming soon. New Year. Huh? Yep. Yep. You know it, buddy. I've got them all on DVD. Yeah, I, anyway, I have so. the big DVD box set thing that came out a few years ago. Yeah, back. but you have to take them out Me of too. the box and stuff. I mean, Oh, yeah, that's so hard. It's hard to since do. the shelf is right next to my chair here. Oh, anyway, uh, while all that's going on with Zed, Constantine goes to New uh, to Mexico City to help his friend uh, Anne-Marie. Mm-hmm. They, um, at first, kind of are bristly to each other, but then realize, you know, they um, realize that you know they have this history together. They have this bond, like Daryl was saying. Um Constantine realizes that, as as we mentioned earlier, that's one of the spawn of the of Lilith, and uh, they come up with this plan to lure this creature in by using a chicken with um, the blood from the guy from whose bloodline that they're trying to um, get revenge on. So they basically coat a chicken in blood, yeah. shoot it up with blood. Yeah. It's really kind of the grossest thing in the and show. Use and use a glamorous and, spell like that. That's how magic. And use a glamorous be, spell. It right? should be dirty, and that, that that's another thing I like about. 
this show, which is yeah. probably why it shouldn't even be on network television. But it's just that they they show magic and it's not pretty. It's not something where you 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 twinkle your fingers and just good cool stuff happens. You know, it's not that type of magic. The, and here I thought all you did was kind of wrinkle your nose and make a little dingling sound and it happened. If you're Elizabeth Montgomery, you do. <laughs> Because it really makes you feel like not everybody would do it. Like, if magic was that simple, everybody would, you know, dabble in it a little bit. There's always, I mean, we keep getting that theme over and over. There's always a price to be paid. Right, right. Always a price to be paid. Every time he uses magic, there's a price to be paid. They lure this uh, Eve's sister with a chicken covered with blood and glamour to look like a baby. And then follow it to the real babies that are down in the, um, in the sewer. They encounter the creature and then... John interrogates her by threatening to kill the babies. He does. M- much to Anne Marie's shock, because she's not sure whether he would actually do something like that or not, I think. Because it kind of seemed like. What? Well, did you. It didn't seem like she was playing along. It no. seemed like she was afraid that he was actually going to you know, do that. I, think she I did. was actually afraid that he was going to do it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think she did. I, I really think she did, because it's like. She. It's like she did a little cocaine, maybe, or smoked a little pot, and it's and and him and him, he's straight freebasing now. He's he's shooting up heroin. If you you think of magic and drugs as the same thing, and it scares her more than anything else. It's like she put him in, you know, like she just put this stuff in his life, and he just seemed to really, you know, he thrives in it though, and it scares her too. Um, and I like. I, I do like how it call is a callback to when um, when he sacrifices his his friend. You know how he manipulated him into because uh, he knew right. he would a sacrifice would have to be made. Did, Bluffing a demon with a child's mm-hmm. life, yeah, kind of seems. And she knew it. Newcastle group, and yeah. when she called him on it, she said, "Don't." She said, "Don't even." She said, "You know what you you want me to do? Don't even do that." She said, "I already know. You know what." I already know where we're going. You don't have to. Oh right. Do that. When when well he well when he creates the mm-hmm. chicken, uh, the glamour chicken with the the guy's blood from the bloodline that they're trying to revenge themselves on, the Bruhair. Yeah. She you know he's like well all right I guess I'll, uh, a woman has to you know it has to be a woman to fool this. I'll machine, wear a this, dress. Uh, this thing. I'll wear a dress. And then she realizes exactly no this is Constantine trying to sucker her into doing this and she might as well just preemptively agree to do it rather than have him have to go through his whole murder. And he That's yells at her. He yells at her um we've lived our lives um but this is the innocence. Like he really put an emphasis on that which also calls back to later in the show. When the angel but it also calls back to previously in the episodes when he saved the other child um you know that was possessed that when the angel was telling him um about his childhood when they were talking about his past and and that that's his one thing that's his one thing is that children that the, the innocence of children is that one thing that that is his weakness is achilles heel well that's what he says to Anne Marie is that anything is worth doing to save the innocent yeah yeah and then when they are making their um when they're in the, the sewers um he threatens to kill the babies and then uh, the the spawn of uh, Lilith tells him that she is working for an ancient order of warlocks that existed before God created light, and that soon hell and earth will be one realm. Oh no! That doesn't sound good. No, does it? not at all. Not at all. Um, John has a talisman that uh, summons her uh, the sp- Lilith spawns ex lover. <laughs> 
um, and uh, they they explode in this uh, like blue flame, yeah. and then uh, a demon that Zed had drawn earlier in the episode in Invunche shows up, and it's just this impossibly powerful ancient evil that Constantine has nothing in his knowledge to be you know to do to save him right. from. Uh, he's just hoping they're able to sneak away with the babies and not be seen. Uh, Anne Marie takes both the babies and uh, tells John that you know anything is worth doing to save the innocent, and then shoots Constantine sure and leaves him for the invunche. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> I'm like, damn, that's some cold water you're swimming in, sister. Because the, and you're because I thought to myself, are they going to go down this route again where she's going to wind up getting killed, sacrificing herself? For yeah. these kids, and I thought about that, and I'm like, well, damn, it's so soon. This episode is so close to the one that happened already. Like, why would they even go down that road all over again? I was, I was fooled. They, they, you know, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that from from the sister. Not at all. I'd like Anne Marie to be kind of a reoccurring character. I, I really, I really, I really liked the character. I thought the chemistry between the, her and Constantine was very interesting. I like how she sees right through his BS. Yes, she does. Right through his manipulation. You know, it's like she knows him better than he knows himself. And, I mean, I to have her be reoccurring, I think, would be kind of cool. I would, too. I would. I would. Well, that's sure. one thing that I, I... It's always cool to see the people that he knew from the past uh, come back because that's how you kind of get a sense of who he was. And if they ever have like a resolution to the Newcastle story, they will all probably get together. No, yeah, yeah. So we uh, we have our midseason uh, finale with uh, Constantine uh, shot and bleeding, dying <laughs> with an impossibly uh, strong evil demon about to descend upon him, and Zed knocked out, uh, knocked unconscious with a giant injectable by the Crusade. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And I would have to ask IMDB, when you look up this this uh, episode, did they have to pick the picture of him shooting, uh, getting the blood into the, the behind of the chicken? It looks so weird. <laughs> He's holding it. They caught that one, like, out of all the scenes that they could have picked, they picked it. It was one a funny him. scene, though, because, like, he's, like, injecting it inside, like, acting yeah. like he's doing it with finesse, and finally he just dumps it all over it. Exactly. Schmears it on. But uh, I like this episode a lot. This um, this series keeps getting stronger and stronger as it goes on, I think. And mm-hmm. um, just, a, you know, a sidebar on news on Constantine, the, uh, the, um, it's been, the uh, ratings are getting a little stronger and stronger, too. We had a 25% jump in ratings on the last uh, couple episodes. And I really think that the reason for that is people caught up on their other shows, you know, that they might watch, they might have been watching before this, and now that they they can concentrate on this show a little bit more. Yep, it retained 77% of its lead-in from Grimm, gaining, it gained 25% jump in ratings uh, in the past two weeks. So hopefully we'll, uh, hopefully it'll be enough A for, you know, NBC to pick it up uh, for a new season or B perhaps, uh, you know, a, another network, perhaps, you know, not, like we said last week, maybe Netflix, you know, maybe Amazon, you know, they're all looking for content. There was an article this week actually saying from the CEO of Netflix saying they wanted to add like something like 20 new shows in the next year or two. They want to do a lot of original content. So, I don't watch anything else on NBC with the exception of Grimm. So are are have they 
promoted the show, if they marketed it well, you know, during their other days of the week, are they were they actually getting a buzz about it, or did they kind of falter there because of the whole reshoot and they started later than they planned and all that stuff? So I'm just you know kind of curious about that because they definitely, from what I've seen, uh, hyped it up for the little break the little first part of this two-parter mm-hmm. for this past week so i'm just wondering if are there just a lot of people that didn't really know about it don't know maybe word of mouth too is yeah the show because i know yeah. that the the critics have been better about the show as it's been going on i've been reading more and more positive reviews uh for instance this episode uh on imdb is rated an 8.8 yeah, it's been steadily getting better and better um, uh, ratings or um, uh, review ratings. It's been going on. This is the highest review rated show yet. Blessed are the damn from last week. Ended up with an eight point six, and this one has an eight point eight. So, yeah, people seem to agree that the show's getting better as it goes along. Yeah. Could do they own this that they could actually take this? Some. I mean, does NBC have a, keep a piece, or do they? And they can't do it, or can they actually take this show and and take it somewhere else if they wanted to? The the production company isn't tied to to NBC okay. and NBC, you know. So I mean, I guess they could mm-hmm. if they wanted to. Well, they throw like Amazon throws up a lot of programming. Like I, I have quite a, a couple of things up there. But what they do is they'll um, they also cancel a lot of stuff too. They they'll some stuff they'll give a full season to automatically, but there a lot of stuff they'll just um, give you one. Uh, they'll give them one pilot. And then they wait to see how many people uh, watch it and and what are they what they rate it, and then that that determines whether or not they'll give them the go ahead to do to do a full season or not. I do, yeah. So maybe they could do something with that. I hope so. I mean, like I said, if if the show continues to be of this quality, like we've seen in the past few episodes, and I'm all for more of it. Yeah, if because I you know what it could also give it a spark too is. If the Marvel stuff that's on Netflix does really well for Netflix, Amazon might say, hold up, we need to compete. Let's see if we can do something with, you know, some of the WB program. That's a good point. Uh, Colton Haynes has come out to say he's playing a bigger role on Arrow this season, to which everyone who saw the season finale of Arrow said, duh. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> um pretty funny uh, michael keaton has been making the rounds lately doing a lot of promotion for birdman rightfully so because that movie is awesome if you haven't seen it i definitely suggest that you do so and um they asked him if he felt a little jealous of uh of ben affleck or christian bale and uh, michael keaton's only answer was uh, i'm batman i'm pretty secure in that absolutely and he's <laughs> my batman <laughs> You know, when it, when people talk, I've been in an argument with a couple friends of mine now for a few weeks. Uh, w- met them for dinner when I was down in Texas over Thanksgiving. And, you know, they were talking about Christian Bale and everything else. And I said, you know, when it comes to Batman, Michael Keaton is, is Batman. And they're just like, no, come on, Christian Bale. It was too silly then. And, you know, everything else. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I doubted that man when they cast him for that role. And he proved me not only proved me wrong, but he just he's Batman. When I think of Batman, the first thing that comes to mind after Adam West is Michael Keaton. But I don't count Adam West because that wasn't movie. So <laughs> that wasn't Batman. 
Now, nah, whatever. <laughs> I, I only I I agree with you up to a point, but I have to trump you with Kevin Conroy. He's my Batman. I knew that was coming. I'm I sorry. That. I know I've met the man a couple times, and he's I, just the best, nicest dude you could possibly. Yeah, but did he have up. a cape? No, he but a but he had that voice, dude. That's all he needed. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But when I, I when I think of Batman, when I think of the way Batman talks, I think mm-hmm. of I think of him. Well, it's funny how everyone uh, differentiates uh, who their Batman is and criteria and stuff. If I go by animated, then I always think Kevin Conroy. If I go yeah. by movie, then that goes straight to Christian Bale for me. Like, but it, everybody has their own way of of thinking of who is their Batman. They, there's no, you get ten people in the room, you will not get ten people that will tell you this is their particular Batman. There's always going to be a a breakdown. Which well, I mean, but I will bet you none of those ten would pick Val Kilmer. Just saying. Ah, uh, you would be surprised. You might be surprised. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you... Actually, you know who's a big fan of that of Batman Forever is uh, Scott Mendelson. Uh, writes for Forbes.com, does commentaries mm-hmm. with Aaron and, and Abe sometimes, and I've worked with him a couple times on Aaron's uh, podcast. Yeah. Big fan of that movie. Um, if you are interested in seeing the um, season premiere trailers for all the new DC TV shows that are coming up, you can catch them all at the DC TV Podcast Facebook group, which you should definitely join. We're almost up to 100 members now. Uh, I'm pretty pretty, pretty uh, psyched about that, considering we've only done like you know 13 episodes. So if you could you know stop by the Facebooks, it's very popular with the young people. Have a have a tween or, or a uh, millennial show you how. And uh, just you know, join our group. We, as I said, we have all the um, the midseason premiere trailers uh, for Gotham, for The Flash, and for Arrow, uh, and for Constantine. Now, uh, Gotham will be returning on January fifth. Constantine will be returning on January sixth. The Flash will be returning on January twentieth, and Arrow will be returning on the twenty-first. Just in case anybody's keeping score at home. Yeah. Uh, we got some cool casting news this week. Uh, we got Nicholas Gonzalez cast as uh, Cisco's brother, uh, Dante, mm-hmm. Dante Ramon. Uh, evidently in the comics, in, uh, in the Vibe comic, uh, Dante uh, and Armando are Cisco's brothers. Um, this character, uh, this actor was on uh, Sleepy Hollow uh, before. I, I don't recognize him from Sleepy Hollow, but I, he has a familiar face. I think I've seen him on some other things. He was also on Gang Related on Fox as well, which is a good show that, that was canceled. But uh, definitely a familiar face. Uh, uh, also cast for The Flash is Peyton List from the uh, Tomorrow People. He's going to be playing Lisa Snart, the uh, little sister of uh, Leonard Snart, Captain Cold, Wentworth Miller, in the Flash TV show. Uh, now, in comic book continuity, his younger sister was the Golden Glider, uh, mm-hmm. another one of the rogues. Um, and the show that um, she's going to be... Um, introduced on the 16th episode of the series is titled rogue time so not only are we getting uh what return of the rogues for episode 10 uh we're also getting rogue time so i mean they're really going with the, the whole rogues idea and i'm so psyched because this you yeah, have the, to one of the best groups of villains in all of comics you gotta admit yeah. one of the, i mean one of the things about flashes is really cool um rogues gallery you know i'd say yeah. other than spider-man or batman he probably has the coolest rogues gallery if you think about it i agree it's the most comic booky. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, well, you got guys like I mean, well, you have some legitimate threats like Captain Cold and uh, and stuff, and then you also have like the Top and uh, you know the Trickster and stuff, kind of messing, you know, messing around. Well, 
Yeah, what I mean is like, a, like if you, it's hard to compare. Like you compare Wonder Woman's Rose Gallery to Flash's. She has. It's hard to pick who can be her villains because some of her villains are just so right like, out there that they're hard to to put on screen or 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 something like that to adapt. Cheetah. Cheetah. That that's always the go to, but after that, Aries. <laughs> it's Aries. Or, it's it's like, always Aries, Cheetah, or Giganta. Yep, Aries. That's Aries it. had her way with his or uh, has way with her mom. So right, right. So I would really love to see like an animated film or even a live action film based on Azarello and Chang's run. Oh, I would. Love oh yeah, it's been that. great. It's been really I would great. Love to see. I hate to see it end. I'm not a huge fan yeah. of David Finch, and when I heard about what happened, I was kind of kind of bummed. But yeah, that I thought uh, if you like Wonder Woman, if you like the character of Wonder Woman, and you haven't checked out the uh, Brian Azarello and Cliff Chang uh, run. Uh, of Wonder Woman from DC Comics, by all means do so. It's, it's excellent stuff. Uh, we also got casting for Robin's parents in Gotham. Yes. Grayson's will be introduced. Um, of course, you know Robin not being born yet because Bruce is still a young guy. Mm. The uh, we will definitely see the Graysons in kind of foreshadowing of Robin, you know, in in that way. So that's that's kind of cool, part of the continuity. Uh, so a little something for the ladies and some of the men. Uh, you can watch uh, Stephen Amell from Arrow do the salmon ladder uh, shirtless over and over again on your computer. Oh, copycat! I did that last week. <laughs> so come do you know? Come do that at the Facebook group if you need to. Yeah. Um, and the last bit of news will segue real nicely into what we're going to be talking to in the last half of the show. Uh, reportedly, Viola Davis from uh, How to Get Away with Murder mm-hmm. and many many other things uh, has been cast as Amanda Waller. In Suicide Squad. Right now, That's has right. that been confirmed? Or... No, it's been reported, but not confirmed. They've reported that an inside source is—they're saying that they have an inside source that confirmed for them that that's what the case is. So, so I can still hold on to the hope that possibly, maybe they'll come to their senses and get CCH Pounder. I, you can hold on to you that. Can you can try. Want. I don't know if that's going to be you know, something that will pan out for you, but you can definitely hold on to but that. But if so, Andy, you're saying there's a chance. I'm just saying Octavia Spencer, dude. So you never know. I mean, look like the look at the Cumberbatch right. stuff where they also said the same thing, and even he denied it, and, and boom. Then, hey, look, it's true. Right. But I would, lo- I would love to see her. I, I love uh, – I've watched uh, How to Get Away with Murder – and part of what I like so much about it is her character is the wall. Like the, the way she manipulates people, she, you know, she has a group of she breaks these groups of misfits together. Um, and when she has her cases, she uses them. She uses each of their abilities to get things done. Like she manipulates them into doing that. And and it, it's just looking at her. I'm like, damn, you you could definitely be. Amanda Waller for sure. She could play that part to a T, and you. She commands respect when she walks in that room. Even people that hate her, which reminds me. And and looking at uh, rewatching uh, Batman Assault on Arkham, it's the same deal. Like you look at her, and you, you even people that hate her, there's still an underlying sense of respect and fear from killers. I mean, these people are killers and metahumans and stuff. And I mean, you need to have somebody who can walk in a room and make Batman stand still for a minute and pause 
Like, you know, like she she has to be that type of personality and you, you have to have somebody that could do that. You definitely need somebody with the yeah. gravitas and the presence to play the wall. I mean, that's I mean, like Chubb said, CC would have been good. I think I, I think Octavia Spencer yes, would have been good. I mean, and Viola Davis definitely has that mm-hmm. kind of attitude. You're right. You have to have somebody who can stare down, you know, killers, freaks, insane people and just literally intimidate them into doing what she wants. So. I've been kind of disappointed yeah. in the past. I mean, Angela Bassett was the wall in the Green Lantern movie. Mm-hmm. She could have did it if they had a decent Yeah, if it had been a decent script. movie. Yeah. If it had been a decent movie. If it had been a different movie. Yeah. Right, right. She was just, yeah. in the movie, she was just kind of window dressing. It was more like, oh, look, there's Angela Bassett. Okay, bye. You know? Yeah. And then um, the, the actress yeah. that plays her on the Arrow, I just don't, don't really, I'm not down with that. She's young. She's so yeah, young. Just, she seems a little like the CW version of the wall to me. She doesn't come off as Amanda Waller to me at all in Arrow. It's like it's a completely different character with the same name. From her character in Spartacus, I like I've seen that. I've seen her in Spartacus first before I saw this. So I can she can be, uh, but they never put her in a situation where she would have to to fight to kill in this show yet. Like she's usually just coming in, which I think they should have done. If you're gonna have her be the young like a younger Amanda Waller, I think they should have showed her in the field first and then show her be the suit wearing because she, you got to earn it. And we don't like, if she's not going to be the older Amanda Waller, the, the, with that presence, then you have to show why this particular person would be given this much power, uh, by the government. You'd have to show why. So I really think they should have had it, if I had if I had my choice of what I would have did, I would have had it that she had to work with Oliver as opposed to being in charge when he was in the island. That would have like, been interesting. And and she used her cutthroat way, you know, ways to get to the point where when they meet up again, now she's in charge of Argus. And you kinda you get a sense of, of you know, what she had to do to get that position. If you're gonna go younger, like I, I, that's the only reason why I don't like. I thought when they when they went younger and smaller, I thought that that was because they wanted to show her be physical in the role. Like she was gonna be fighting, she was gonna be you know uh, going through missions and stuff. That's what I thought they were gonna do. But if you're not, you're just gonna have her come in and just give commands. Then you might as well have just had you know the wall. I don't know. They re- I think they really. I mean, like I said, I think Viola Davis is a good uh, choice for that character because that character has to have that gravitas and has to mm-hmm. has to be able to be believable in that in that uh, spot as well. You know, I mean, the the woman that plays her on the Arrow and I, I'm, her name is escaping me right now. The actress's name just doesn't have that presence that you know that, that the wall needs to have or you know that the uh, an actor playing the wall needs to have. Unlike CCH Pounder. Our spotlight this week is on the Suicide Squad because we got so much of that casting news last week we talked about and uh, we are so psyched for this movie. And not long ago, we got an animated version of the Suicide Squad ostensibly Mm -hmm. marketed as a Batman movie, although Batman is barely in it, um, called Batman Assault on Arkham. And I think we mentioned it on on the show earlier, or if not, I definitely mentioned it on uh, Nothing's On. But uh, it's basically it is a suicide movie in all in any everything but name. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't you agree, guys? Yeah, I definitely would. Yeah, I mean it was a total bait and switch because they also were marketing it as a tie to Arkham Asylum games and everything, right. and 
it really, other than that it was in Arkham, it really didn't tie in in any way. So, I mean, I think all of it was just a marketing ploy to get people that probably wouldn't buy something called Suicide Squad to mm-hmm. buy this and then realize the epic awesomeness of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I think it's like 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 you're saying it's kind of, it was kind of an, an under the radar way of uh, of putting it like a little trial balloon out there of suicide squad to see you know how how it would go but yeah batman is is a supporting player in the story if anything we even at the beginning of this uh movie and i thought that was super cool uh before they all get you know drug you know drug together and do task force x we see each of the villains you know how they get caught pretty much and we yeah. get this cool little title sequence you know um uh louise lasser as you know she does her thing killer frost and it's got that cool like anime uh, freeze frame uh, with the you know the, the 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 character's name. I I just thought that was a cool little touch at the beginning. Oh, definitely. And and this this was a very dark story too. This um, you know, do you think it would be an R R rated? I if it were, think if it were live action. Yes. I mean, we do have we oh, do yeah. have like if it was live definitely. I this pushes the bound. This pushes the boundaries of PG thirteen. That mm-hmm. I mean, to the extreme limit. I mean. I wonder if they had to cut some things out just to not have it be R because, I mean, it's it's right there on the edge. This is definitely not your ki- uh, uh, kid's cartoon movie. Yeah, we do get, like, heads exploding, um, casual sex, topless ha- Harley and topless Frost. The only thing we didn't get was the, the language was the only thing. that No, we got a few it. shits. There were a few shits in there. Well, shits, I think that's... you. Actually, you can say shit on... After nine, you can say shit on TV now. Oh really? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that 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 is That's allowed. Interesting, because I'm gonna have to bleep them out of the podcast unless I want to go explicit on iTunes. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I know that's weird, right? But well, on so... TV, that, that that's the new word that they let the you know they 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 move up a few words that you can say right. on, on there, and that's one of the words that you can say. So it would probably still be a PG-13. I remember when they first said "son of a bitch" on Mash. Remember the yeah. TV, and then everybody mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, you bitch!" Everybody used oh to, no! Everybody yeah. used SOB after that. Um, this cast is incredible on Assault mm-hmm. on Arkham. Okay, first of all, you have the legendary uh, Kevin Conroy as Batman, mm-hmm. my my Batman. You know he will be uh, okay. from from now on. Yeah. <laughs> um, we got uh, Neil McDonough, Dum Dum Dugan himself from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Love that in, dude. In ostensibly the lead role in this movie as mm-hmm. Deadshot. I mean, he is the point of view character. He is the lead character. In and it, he's in an actor, way. actor. Like, this guy's been in Justified. He's been, like, he's been in he's been a ton major of, a ton movies. Of Captain yeah, yeah. America. He's been in uh, uh, Flag of Our Fathers. He's been in Minority Report. Like, this, they, they really went for some, you know, some top acting. Oh, I forgot about Minority Report. No, interesting, um, to me anyway, doing the research for this, Harley Quinn, uh, played by uh, Hinden Walsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't really familiar with her until I looked her up, and she has been doing cartoon voices for like the past 10 or 12 years. Yeah. Uh, including Starfire and Teen Titans Go, and uh, like a lot of other DC property um, um, cartoons, um, a lot of video game uh, uh, voiceover work. She, I mean, and I thought she did a great job as Harley. Usually, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Arlene Sorkin purist, 
and you know Tara Strong sometimes, but um, Hinden Walcher really really nailed it. I thought. Yeah, she did. She did. She really did. I even in the you get a sense like the little scenes where they don't forget where she comes. Like you don't forget that this she's a psychologist. Like you don't forget these little things and the they sprinkle it in the the movie. And it makes sense for her to come along because she knows Arkham better than anyone else. She has her crazy is just so focused. Like it, it at times is all over the place. And even in the directing of the the animated program, like there are things that she does. Like rewatching the the cartoon again, I didn't catch some of the little things she throws out there. Um, you know, like even when she shot shooting into uh, Joker's prison, like even the way she did that on purpose, kinda. Like it, she played both sides. Right, but that was all just cover for her, for you know, to to cause a distraction so they could get to the junction box. You mm-hmm. know, just like the the script right, the screenwriting, that you know, the, the actual caper, quote unquote, as it's written, I thought was really, really well done. And she knew how to beat Batman's, um, because she's that crazy. She was able to beat Batman's uh, lie detector mm-hmm. that he had. You know, like she she put herself in that, like she. It's dangerous for a psychologist to be for for your psychologist to actually be insane as well. <laughs> you can you could do so much damage, and that's what makes the Joker so dangerous too. And they really did a great job of of showing what makes the the Joker it's as dangerous as he is. And they also did a great job with uh, like Deadshot is one of my favorites. Uh, I don't even consider him a villain. Villain, kind of. A, he's kind yeah. of a villain, but I root for him sometimes because he's not he's, that type of villain that just goes out to just kill people. He's like Paladin on the Marvel side. Yes, he's not a villain if he's you know, being paid by the right people. You know what I mean? He's just like you know, yeah. just mercenary to the core type thing. And speaking of the Joker, as you were, voiced by Troy Baker, um, who has done a ton of video game work, uh, probably best known as Booker Dewitt. Uh, in uh, Bioshock Infinite came out a couple of years ago, uh, but it, you know he's done voices for you know Uncharted and, and pretty much every video game you could think of for the past uh, ten years. It, he's done voices in Batman: Arkham City, Batman Origins, The Last of Us, Uncharted Four. Uh, he's even done the voice of Batman in uh, Lego DC superheroes. <laughs> well, I've played the the the, Bat- the Arkham games and I played the Bioshock Infinite and hearing his voice, it just felt like home. Like I like it just it just fit. It was just did so well with it. I thought well, I mean, it was funny to me because I didn't know it was him until after I, I watched the movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It didn't. You know, hearing him as the Joker, I wouldn't think, oh god, this. Oh, that laugh, just... man, because I remember because in Arkham I get lost so many times trying to play that damn game. Oh yeah. And you hear that Joker laugh when you're walking through the asylum. I I just can't forget that. Like that laugh is just so sick and and demented and and spooky. It, it just uh, it drives up the um, just. It, it, everything is like you you get a sense of of, of uh, urgency when you're trying to to play that game and I think they did a good job with how he taunted them like he taunts Deadshot you know when he's talking to him through the bars oh yeah and then but he's also like jealous of Deadshot yeah when, you know, Harley's like I got a new man now and all that we also got John Dima- DiMaggio as King Shark and for those who don't know who John DiMaggio is uh, I'd have to start probably with Bender the Robot from uh, from Futurama this guy's done so many voices over the years um, did voices in Wreck-It Ralph Adventure Time he was as I said Bender in uh, 
in Princess Futurama, Monaco. the main character in Gears of War. Marcus, Marcus, Marcus he was Marcus in, in the original Gear, in all the Gears of War games, the main character. Uh, he's done so much uh, um, voiceover work. In fact, uh, privately funded that documentary, I Know That Voice, that's on all Netflix right. right now, all about yep. voice acting. Uh, it was his idea, it was his project to do that because he was so impressed by all the people he's met doing voice acting mm-hmm. over the years. I thought he was great as King Shark. There was like this weird sexual tension between King Shark and... Um, Killer Frost. It was it morphed though because it at one yeah. moment it, it looked like he thought of like they were like sit like he looked at her like a protective brother or then another time it's like is it sexual and then or if he wants to eat her and then another time and then she really was like after you know when things happen she's like oh all right whatever <laughs> it's, it, it's so weird. We also got uh, Jer- Giancarlo Esposito, uh, Gus from Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know him from anything else, I mean, the guy's been in so many movies. Going back to what, Do the Right Thing was one of his first movies, I remember. Yes. Recently, um, he was in Revolution. Yeah, yeah. he was in, in Revolution. Right he's a suspect he's, he's done. He's... So many movies oh, and, and, God, and shows yeah. over the years. And he was Black Spider, who's kind of like a ninja that kills bad people. Right. In, in the comics and in this. Oh, we got Greg Ellis as Captain Boomerang. Uh, Jennifer Hale, who is probably best known as Fem Shep, or the female Shepherd Joyce in the Mass Effect games, uh, as Killer Frost. Thought she was great. Uh, also, another game for, uh, another um, uh, um, name for video games, Nolan North, uh, who plays uh, Nathan Drake in the uh, Uncharted games, among uh, a lot of other things. He's done the voice. And if you've played, he did Wolverine in the Wolverine video game. Oh, if you played yeah. a video game. Played if you played oh, a video yeah. game in the past ten years, you've heard his his voice. Yeah, I played that game. Um, and of course, we mentioned uh, CCH Pounder as Amanda Waller mm-hmm. as well. Did you mention Just, uh, uh, Goober? Goober, Matthew. Oh right, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the Riddler um, is portrayed by Matthew Gray Goobler, who is best known as one of the geeks on Criminal Minds. Yep. Uh, one of the profilers there. Um, and he does the Riddler, I thought, really, really well. Just kind of like a, a you know, a spazzy, nerdy guy. You know, Besides Kevin Conroy and, and and Pounder, that he was one of the reasons that I was excited to, to purchase this, because he's my favorite character on Criminal Minds, and I don't know, he just has a way of the way he speaks and the cadence in his voice, and it was perfect for Riddler. I thought he did such a great job. I mean... Overall, everything there was not a single weak link in any of this cast. No. He played a cre- he he plays Riddler less creepy, like that. He doesn't he he does the Riddler stuff without the creepy part of it, as opposed to yeah. uh, more cere- more cerebral less right serial killer type thing. right. But uh, the the movie is directed by Jay Oliva and, and Ethan Spaulding, and uh, Heath Carson gets the main writing credits uh, with uh, credits going to Bill Finger and Bob Kane for. Mm-hmm. The the plot is is pretty interesting. It's kind of a caper. Uh, as I said in the opening credit sequence, we see each of these villains being taken down, and they all wake up in a room together, uh, where Amanda Waller tells them basically, "Hey, you've been drafted into Task Force X, and I want you to break into Arkham Asylum and steal uh, the Riddler's cane, in which you know there's this data data mine or whatever that's in, in, embedded into in his cane." Uh, it's in the uh, property room in Arkham Asylum, so basically they have to break into Arkham Asylum. Uh, the criminals include Black Spider, Spider as I said, uh, Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, Harley Quinn, uh, Killer Frost, uh, the KG Beast, mm-hmm. and King Shark. Um, basically they have to break into the hospital and steal the information from the Riddler himself. 
Um, the Riddler has, is threatening to fully expose the details of the Suicide Squad and its members to the public. Right. And it's all stored in the cane. Uh, that includes some of the the people in that um, in that room. Uh, one of the villains, I won't say who, thinks she's bluffing and tries to walk out of the place mm-hmm. and promptly realizes that the wall does not bluff. Yeah, it's super nuts. <laughs> that was the point when I realized this this film this feature was not going to play around. It was <laughs> I was like, right. wow, there's that PG thirteen. <laughs> the six of them are deployed to Gotham City, and they um, they get armed by the Penguin, uh, played by Nolan North, uh, who's a little mad at Harley Quinn. For some of her antics, mm-hmm. uh, Harley and Deadshot get it on, and um, he—I guess he does a good job because she screams Yahtzee at the end. And you notice that uh, they <laughs> call back to that with the Joker as well. He also says and, Yahtzee. And boom yeah. goes the dynamite. They break into Arkham in different ways. Captain Boomerang takes Killer Frost in through the morgue because she can chill down her body to the point where they think that she is, you know, a corpse. Um, they um, break in. Batman defeats Black Spiders and Spider and switches costumes with him and joins the Suicide Squad. I like that scene though. I love that scene. Yeah, yeah, that was good. They uh, meanwhile, Batman doesn't even is, isn't really worried about the the Suicide Squad because the Joker has a dirty bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying to track that down. The caper goes bad as these things often do, a Tarantino style. Um, and you know, hell ensues, and it's just I don't know. I think you know, with, with David Ayer going forward, making this. I mean, he directed the original Fast and Furious. He directed Fury. I mean, he's a really talented director. I think if he takes the same stance, you know, that they took in this and make it a caper movie, make it an ensemble cast, don't make it, you know, don't make it about the Joker. Don't make it about, you know what I mean? You know, have a point of view character like Deadshot in this, you know, so we we have someone to identify with or someone, you know, whose point of view we can follow into the story. But, I mean, if he really, you know, I, I hope somebody gives him a DVD of this to watch. (laughs) I'm sure that they did, because I I have a feeling that, that, like we said earlier, this was a test uh, out there to see how general audience might respond to Suicide Squad. So, you know, this is kind of the toe in the water, and now it's It's had a good positive response, so now they're going, you know, we're going to have this feature film, live action. It's funny with the movie how people assume, automatically assume, that the Joker is going to be part of the group. Yeah, and And no one has confirmed that. Like, no one said, just because he's in the movie, that he's going to be, you know, on the Suicide Squad. Right, I mean, they could be breaking him out of Arkham. Right. They could be, I mean, there are, like, so many different... In this, you know, the way the Joker was, was a player, it wasn't, you know, wasn't... Um, you know, he wasn't on the Suicide Squad, but he was definitely a major part of the story. He could be doing something, uh, like, the, they have to stop him from doing something, and they need Harley Quinn. They might need Harley Quinn because she's the only one that's closest to him. Right, they could even have, like, a little offhand thing at the beginning, you know. Well, what about Batman? Oh, he's busy in Metropolis. Right, yeah, like... You know, like a little, like, reference mm-hmm. to Batman v Superman or whatever. So it's, it's it makes sense, because we, you already have Deadshot. The one thing with Deadshot is his daughter. That's the one thing he loves in his life. That's it. He, and they also, I love how they... Um, one of the things that I always loved about the character, too, from the comic that they did this, uh, thank John Ostrander, is that uh, Deadshot... Is certifiably suicidal. That's why he keeps getting on the. I mean, that's why he ends up on the Suicide Squad. So yeah, often. and that and that also. Or he did back mm-hmm, in the And day. that also makes him dangerous for Joker because Joker's biggest thing is he his fear of you because people usually want to live. That is generally what they want to live. 
So when they deal with the Joker, he doesn't care if he kills you. And you're like, he doesn't care how many lives he takes. So that's that fear is already there when you meet him. Deadshot out of everyone, he doesn't have that fear. Can't, it's going to be interesting to see Will Smith play this character with all these different yeah. levels and stuff. And I mean, Will Smith is a good actor, don't get me wrong. I loved Ali. I mean, he's a good actor when he steps up. I'm just wondering if he's going to bring that Will Smith, or if he's going to bring the kind of you know the kind of you know smiling like uh, you know Men in Black. Will I, Smith. You know what? The thing that made me think I I know people hate After Earth. I'm not. I don't think it was a good movie either. But when I saw it, the scenes that I the scenes that people did like from that were the few and far between were the scenes where he basically plays a character who can eliminate his fear because that's what the the body gives out the pheromones. That's the thing that they say in the movie. But when he plays that, like, like he turns off the emotion and gets right to business, there's a facial expression that he has that um, I, can, I, I look at it and I go, that's Deadshot. Like that's, that is so Deadshot. And at the same time, I can also see that, I can also see him look at a picture of his daughter, which you know they're going to have it in the movie because that's that's just right. the constant that he has the daughter. Right. I can also see that same, you know, I can see Will Smith look at a picture of his daughter and have that concern. Like he, you know, like he can, he can show that love for the daughter and then in the same breath, I can see him drop that and put a bullet in a guy's head if he has to. Like I've, I've seen him do the, the different parts. It's just the point of, you give him the right director, he can do it. He, like it's in him. He's he, he's done it in different movies. You just you have to give him a good director, and this dude is a good director. Yeah, David Ayer is, is super strong, and he and he's also writing the script too, um, which is interesting with his writing partner uh, Justin Marks. Right. So they're doing not only the he's not only directing, like, but he's also doing like the this ain't Will, like I know as much crap as Will Smith gets, he's not a Bruce Willis. Like when he goes into a movie, he follows. Right. What the director tells him to do. He's not somebody that fights you when he agrees to do the movie. It's just that sometimes he makes choices on movies that um, he keeps playing the type. But when he's in, he's in. Even if it's a terrible like Wild Wild West, he's in and he's in it. He's going to do what he's going to do to the end. So I like I don't like it just surprises me how people are jumping to say, like he would mess up the movie. Oh no! I mean, I I think that if you say you know that it, it, I think the main, the main fear is they're going to like market it as like a I get that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Two uh, two families and like two to like have family mm-hmm. crossover and that kind of thing, and I think that would be a mistake considering the the subject matter and the the, the tone they're going to have to have in this movie. Even if they go for a PG rating, it's still going to have to be. It's I would to think be a that too if they didn't have the cast that they have. Like they're no, you know, the the rest of the people that they picked are also good actors. Like I like if they had picked like kinda eh people. Well, I mean, yeah, you make a good point. I mean, they're definitely I mean, just to run it down real quick in case people didn't uh weren't listening to the podcast when I ran it down uh, when it was announced. Uh Tom Hardy is playing Rick Flag. I mean Tom Hardy yeah. like Bane of course, he's going to be in the new Mad Max movie. Oh, that trailer was awesome. Incredible, incredible. It was funny because one of the guys working on the movie said uh, that it seems like from the screenplay, it's just a, basically a one-and-a-half-hour mm-hmm. car chase scene. And I'm okay. totally oh, fine yeah. with the Mad Max movie. <laughs> you know? That's fine. That's what that movie's about, you know? 
Uh, Margot mm-hmm. Robbie is Harley Quinn, uh, probably best known right. from Wolf of Wall Street. I'm interested to see if she could bring bring the Quinn, although she was kind of crazy in points there. Um, Jai Courtney is Boomerang. Jared Leto uh, as the Joker. And, it's going to be interesting to see which direction he takes it after looking at Nicholson and looking uh-huh. at Ledger. You know what I mean? Like, is it going to be somewhere he, in between there? He's he... in that Ledger zone, though, somebody who doesn't have fear of playing a character. Like, he doesn't yeah. worry. Of it. Like, he, he, he doesn't care if people like it or not, which I like. I like, but we passed kind of passed Boomerang really quick. I mean, Jay Courtney. I, be, I mainly know him from that Terminator I movie that I love Jack Reacher. Like, I, the character he played at Jack Reacher was basically a dude that opened fire and murdered um, indiscriminately a whole group of people. Didn't care. Yeah. Just, just, just picked them out. It was knocking them out one, just, just knocking them. Women, children, like to, to be that much of a psychopath. And to joke about it, like like he played that part, like I just from Jack Reacher, I I think he can do this. Like he he's a well, that's cool. I Jack Re- in Jack the beginning Reacher, of Jack I mean, Reacher, it's I... the hardest thing to watch. The hardest uh, ten minutes to watch is there's a sniper who basically on a just a regular summer day, just starts picking people off, walking just normal. Just, and some of them were children, and they were teach. You know, like they had a story. One was a woman took her kid to school every day. He now he's on the honor roll. She read with him at work. You know, after work and all this, and now murdered. He she was going to take him to Disneyland or whatever. Like it was a harsh scene, but this dude just he had the eye. He had the dead eyes. Like he had the eyes of a killer, and he could joke about stuff in the next. In seconds, he could joke about killing somebody. And not that even was care. a that was a movie that I really didn't think I was gonna like, and then and so I waited till it was you know on HBO or something, and I was just I was blown away. I was as how much I liked that movie. Such it, a it, dark story. It was such. A it's dark so story. dark, so but it is so well done. Mm-hmm. Such a well done piece of film. I, I realize now why I glossed over Jack Courtney. He's the one who played Bruce Willis's kid. Yeah, I know people punish hard. him for that. <laughs> that. Dude, that was that was probably my worst but movie that, of that year fault? that I sat through. That I'm not saying fault. it is his fault, but you know, I, 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 you know, he at least read the stuff that was on the script. He was the. You could at least you could tell that he read the script. Willis just said, "I'm going." I'm not going to write the whole movie script. off just because of that, dude. I mean, come on. But he did. But I, I know people. A lot of people didn't see Jack Reacher, so I want people to like. If you get a chance to watch his acting in that movie, and you can't tell me he can't play a psychopath, like a, like an unlikable and Boomerang is that an unlikable psychopath that you know charismatic and crazy in his own. See, like, I don't know much about Jared Leto, so I don't really know what my opinion is on on him being Joker. It just, you know, he definitely looks like he could be the part, but I've seen him in um, Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think what else I may have seen him in, but I can't. You might have seen him in Requiem of a Dream if you. I did not see Requiem of a Dream, so. or or Lord of the or Lord of War. If you did you see that. Panic Room yeah. he was into. Panic I'll, Room, I, if yeah, you want to see a little bit of the psycho, yeah, go see room, Panic Room. Okay, I, I mean, I remember Panic Room, but it's been so long, I'm trying to... Lord of War, now I remember him in that, so... Like, he he can play the... the. He has the eyes 
you know what gets me is the eyes. He can he can play that. He's not all there. Like there's more going on up there than he's not in the same world you are. Like he can he can some of his characters are very like he can play that weird. And I think that the I think that that type of acting like even with the um, movie we just talked about um, how Joker was you know like I could see him dressed like Joker and and stand like him and walk like that and but I can also see he can he can do the eyes and the just just looking you know not being all there but also kind of he knows more than you do like he know you he there's always something with the Joker that he knows information that you don't know but you never know what you never know what he's going to do and he well, can yeah, play just, that just mm-hmm. looking at him he kind of gives me a, uh, reminds me at least the way his fe- facial features are and whatnot of you know Joker from the killing joke yes yes that kind of look and so. I can see him with the knife again like I said we'll, we'll see it'll be interesting to see what his portrayal is like like I said in the context of I mean the other movies we've seen the Joker in uh, where he's been you know like a major major character in this you know more of an ensemble um Cara Delevingne who's doesn't have a whole lot of uh, credits uh, in, in her. Wait, IMDb. is she wearing a red shirt with a target on it? <laughs> Maybe. <She's laughs> playing... I think I see that. Target. She's playing uh, Enchantress. Yes. As we mentioned, the, the the two things that we've heard rumored that Jesse Eisenberg will be appearing in the movie as Lex Luthor, as he's already been uh, cast in Batman v Superman in that character, and uh, uh, Viola Davis as uh, Amanda Waller. They do have her listed on IMDb. They do. And, still uh, don't... No, I'm just saying, we. it's still... They say it's not confirmed, but, but yet she's on IMDb. I don't know. You know, take it with as many grains of salt as you have to. <laughs> exactly. I, again, I'm, I know I've said this a, a couple of times already, but I'm more excited for this than I am for Batman. I mean, I'm going to go see Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, obviously, when it comes out. But I'm more excited for this. I really am. David nice. Ayer is a, is a really good director, good mm-hmm. screenwriter. He knows how to do action. I mean, he did the original Fast and Furious. So, yeah. I mean, Training Day, End of Watch. I mean, these are like some really good yeah. movies. Um, you know, I love, and that tells me right there how dark it's gonna be. I, yeah. I, oh I, yeah, all those movies that I've seen him do, like, and I, I am so excited. Like, I, I'm a DC guy too, like you guys, and I am so excited for the Superman Batman movie, and I can't wait to see that. But I know it's a Superman Batman movie. Like, uh, we kind of at least we've seen Batman and Superman on screen already. Right. This is I a mean, different it, excitement. Like this yeah. is. This is something characters. I never in a million. Right. Like, if you had right. come to right. me in 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 the eighties and said, "Hey Jim, guess what? In about twenty years, you're gonna go see Guardians of the Galaxy, and then the year after that, you're gonna go see a Suicide Squad movie." I would have said, "Get the it. hell out of here!" Like, Are you kidding it, me? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, this is like one of those books. It was like. It was one of my favorite comics growing up as as a kid. It was. One I of liked those... the Dirty Dozen, like, and I and I had watched the Dirty Dozen as a kid, so I loved those stories yeah. of these, you know, these criminals or or misfits getting together right. to go on a mission that they're not expected to come back from. Right. Like, I I always loved that type of story. And uh, it's gonna it's gonna be. I don't know. I'm just. I have really high hopes for this. I have one issue though. One issue that I didn't like about the the animated movie, and I I hope that they don't go down this road, but I think they probably will because they've kind of gauged everyone and kind of geared everything to how the movies are going to be. The outfit of Deadshot. 
I'm such a fan of the old outfit. Yeah, the old and outfit I, is really bright, though. I mean, I know it's bright. It and doesn't I make know. sense that somebody would work in stealth as a. You're you right. Know. You're right. You know what it is that I hate though? I hate the mask of the new version. I hate that mask of the the animated. The, how they have his mask. Really, I, the full it, face mask like he used. To I be. would rather. Yeah, it just it just it's just something. It was just something about that covered face and then that eye you see that you see that bright eye that red eye the the yeah, you know right it's just something about that and to, to you know to, to take that away it just took a little bit away from the character of dead of deadshot for me to have that on his face like i would even rather him just not even wear a mask at all because it just didn't seem like a it just, i don't know what it seemed like but it just seemed off to me every time i saw that that's the only thing the only thing that's not too bad no, no, that's the only thing. The only thing that, that yeah. and it's not going to kill me if they do it in the movies. It, I will get over it. Yeah, it's, I think I think they're probably. I mean, we've seen a lot lately that they when they make movie versions of superheroes, how they tone down the the you know, the costumes or whatever. And I, I think they've done it really well on the Marvel side, and I think they'll probably do the same with you know, DC, especially in this. I mean, they're they're covert. They're you know working under the radar or what have you. So. Right, right. Surprisingly, no penguin is going to be in this movie yet, or they haven't talked about it yet. Not as part of the group, but just as somebody who's a player. Wouldn't it be cool if there was like a cameo by Robin Lord Taylor as the penguin? Oh, that'd be awesome. Like yeah, they, they go, would... they're like, "Well, thank you, Mister Cobblepot," and he flips around the chair, and it's Robin Lord Taylor. That's what I expected to be like some kind of. Just he'd be in it for a minute, but he'd yeah. be in it. Like he'd be, he'd be like a you know, it's, they'd have to deal with him on some level like they'd have to buy uh, weapons from him they would have to get information from him but he would just be there he would he would be in the movie somehow i was gonna say uh daryl kate holly is the one doing the costume designing in the costume department for it Uh uh she did costumes for hobbit pacific rim um edge of tomorrow well you have me at, at pacific rim and yeah. you definitely have me at edge of tomorrow those are two of my one of my favorite films so you so possibly, excited. <laughs> possibly you won't. You'll get something cool looking. I, I'm with you. You have me. I'm. I'm done. I'm fine. I take it back. I'm good. Those two movies are great. I love the designing on those those two movies. They're, oh, they're, I'm in. This makes me even more excited. Like this, this movie is surrounded by good talented. Yeah, people. I think what the DC is doing instead of following the Marvel formula, they're going back to their own playbook. And just getting like quality directors behind quality projects, like they did with Nolan on the Batman mm-hmm. movies, you know, yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever. Just getting you know a high quality director, screenwriter, high quality caliber actors, you know, putting the money in into the production. You do have to play in this world a little bit. You are connected to other things, right? But that's it. That's it. But it's Suicide Squad, I mean, such a thing that it's going to be like its own. It could definitely be off on its own little thing and not oh yeah not of intersect course. with the other stuff in, in any way for a long time. But you can have cool stuff like, hey, is that Lex Luthor going by walking? Or later, like, or know, later on, you know, have have yeah. in the cyborg movie have him run up against Deadshot, you know, yeah, played by Will yeah. Smith, or you know, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, the, much is the same way Avengers seeded, you know, a lot of superheroes for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is going to seed a lot of supervillains. I mean, mm-hmm. do you really think this could be the last we see of Jared Leto as the Joker in this movie? I mean, no, I think this is the oh, beginning. No. Yeah, I think I, this is exactly. You know, I mean, could you see like 
they they're doing that two part Justice League movie down the road. I could totally see mm-hmm. Amanda Waller being part of that, you know, or a reason that they might get called in, or you know what I mean. Right. I could totally see it all playing into that later if they wanted to. So, but yeah. I mean, they're getting high quality director, high quality you know screenwriting, you know, um, they're paying for good acting, you know, and you're going to end up you know usually with a good movie. So. The DP is uh, Roman Vazanov, who was the DP on End of Watch and on Fury and the East. Uh, several just beautifully shot movies. So, like Daryl said, it's they went all out to make sure they got some uh, uh, good talent, some very good talent. Uh, Guy Norris is doing it's supervising stunt and doing all the action unit direction and stuff like that. I mean, we're talking about some very top-notch people for what we would kind of consider a risk of a, of a comic book movie in a way, because it's just something that, you know, isn't on par with what we've had in, you know, in the past years. But Mm -hmm. if anything, guardians of the galaxy proved that if you do it right, it doesn't matter. It's, it's going to come out well. Yeah. And I think it proved that like an ensemble cast of lesser known characters carried by good acting and decent writing can, can, you know, make a movie like this work. So, I'm not saying this is going to, I mean, obviously this isn't going to have the comedic tone uh, that Guardians did or whatever, but um, it definitely, hopefully will be like a, a good ensemble that works well together like Guardians did. Well, I expect it to be, the the jokes to be dark like the jokes in this, in the movie we watched. Like I, picking up the head of the, you know, and, and, and picking up somebody's head and talking to it, it, that's the Joker. Like that's. You know, little jokes like that. I, I can um, even dirty jokes. You know, like I, I expect them. They're criminals. They're they're dirty criminals. Like I expect their jokes to be. You know, they still be funny, but they'd be on a different tone. Do you think Warner Brothers would be afraid to push it, push the envelope to go for an R? If they, picture? I don't know. It, it's weird. To, like you would think they wouldn't be scared to go for an R to get this guy. Because this guy yeah. is so R. Like, yeah. this, like this is what he he's this kind of storytelling that that he likes to do is so it it, it is so steeped in in uh, and just a rated R world. Like I, it's it's um, but you can adapt it. I mean, it could be anything. Could be look at Breaking Bad. Is in many how many things have happened in Breaking Bad where you would go? Would you ever think that they would allow some of that stuff to be on TV? A woman to sit, a man to watch, uh, a junkie. You know, the the one of the characters die in her own vomit, choke on her own vomit. Or a guy having half his face blow off, straighten up his ties. He walks yeah. out and dies. I mean, such a great scene. Or God. poison a child. You poison oh, a child, yeah. and it, and and you do it just to make a point, like it's just to prove a point, or to trick another character into doing something you want him to do. And yet, and still. You are the hero of the story, or you at least you are the you are the main character of the of the show. So I mean, if you it's it's a way you can do it. You can work your way around it if you're talented enough. I think they're going to be. I think they're they're definitely going to be shooting for a hard PG or whatever. But an interesting yeah. thing, I mean, the the uh, the Batman v Superman movie comes out in March, and then this comes out in August of that same year. Yeah. So I mean, there'll be two you know radically different movies in tone, and you know in, in structure and in everything. There are going to be you know two Marvel movies that year too. So 
don't know. It'll be it'll, it'll be an interesting year. As cool, I mean, 2015 is gonna be a great movie, year for geek movies, but 2016 too is <laughs> among among the legendaries, I think. I'm good. I'm I'm cool with that. Give me my Suicide Squad uh, video game too. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Pick your pick your team and go in and do the mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto style. Yes. That That's be, exactly what I'm saying. That would be, yes. cool. that would be sweet. Shoot. And also give us a Lego Suicide Squad video game. Uh, okay. I li- I like the Lego games. Sorry. I, I, you can have them. It's it's fine. It's okay. It's no law against it. Okay. Well, that's our in-depth look at the Suicide Squad movie and Batman Assault on Arkham. Uh, join us next time. I think we're going to be doing a spotlight on Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Is that right? Yes, please. Yes. Uh, just in time for the holiday season. <laughs> exactly. Christmas with the Joker. Yes. <laughs> That's my terrible Mark Hamill as the Joker impression. But uh, next next week we'll be talking about that. We'll also be going over, of course, the DC TV news, uh, mm-hmm. the, whatever uh, comes through the transom between now and then. Uh, again, we're talking about we're going to be doing a crossover episode with the uh, It's All Connected guys over on the Marvel. Uh, Cinematic Universe podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking Shield and the DC shows all together in a big round table that'll happen over the holiday break. And we have some of the cool stuff in store for you, so stay tuned. If you enjoy this show, then you probably enjoy a lot of other uh, cool television shows, and you can get podcasts about a lot of those at hhwlod.com, including uh, the Ichapod Cranecast for the Sleepy Hollow fan in you. Uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast, also on mid-season hiatus. Um, uh, if you enjoy the Walking Dead TV show, uh, we have, um, the, the, as I mentioned, the It's All Connected podcast, which uh, covers Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and soon to be covering Agent Carter, the new show uh, coming up the pike uh, from Marvel Studios, and uh, as they're uh, all connected into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So if you're a geek of any stripe, there's something for you to enjoy at hhwlod.com. Please go there. Also, please go to our Facebook group. As I mentioned, DCTV Podcast is what it's called. Join up and you can get a, a cool news feed of all the great uh, DCTV news, DC movie news that we find, plus a lot of cool discussions about our shows. They'll be coming back quicker than you think, everybody. So saddle up. And uh, if you enjoy this kind of content, uh, as, as I mentioned, then beware uh, this January for the uh, Don't Call to Come Back because he's been here for years. Uh, the the relaunch retool, uh, what is it? 3.0 now, 4.0 of the Taylor Network. Um, I'm I'm losing number count. I don't it's, even. It's the beta, anymore. the beta version. <laughs> 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 the Taylor Network of podcasts will be uh, coming back to you in January. We uh, shall rise from the ashes. Yeah. Let me know if you need a consultant on that. You you are you will disappear. You will just, disappear. Just like Hydra, you take away one website and two more <laughs> grow in its place. So, um, keep your eye, keep your eyes and ears open for the return of the Taylor Network. Uh, of course, run by the tycoon, the man himself, Daryl Taylor. Um, thanks for being on with me, guys. And until next week, we are Ghost. All right.
Hold on. 